Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I am joined by legendary, legendary musician grandson. Today, uh, I'm joined by Thomas Gabriel, who is grandson of Johnny Cash. Hey, Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing great. Now, I have been the uh, going down the worst road in uh, Utah as the hotbed right now, but yeah, I'm doing great. Oh, oh, you guys are in Utah now. Yeah, we're going through it right now. Okay, I had uh, an, so I had unfortunately missed your concert here in in India, but I hope you guys come back sometime. Next time you you perform here, I'm there. I would definitely be back. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, my first question is, um, as so as I mentioned in the introduction, you are the grandson of legendary musician Johnny Cash. <laughs> Did you know Johnny growing up as a uh, little boy? Oh yeah. I um uh, my mother was extremely young when she had me. She was sixteen and you know grandparents kinda of take over a bit. So I grew up on the road most of the time with him. Uh, not saying that I didn't grow up with my mother. I'm just saying that uh, she worked for him as well. But I grew up a lot of on the road with him. So uh, would you go up on stage with him and, and sing uh in front of the crowds with him? Yeah. Yeah, a lot, quite a bit. We'd had, uh, it had to be a uh, little circle being broken or uh, be, you know, uh, Saints come marching in or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. I mean, but behind the scenes, uh, what was Johnny like as a grandfather? Um, was he uh, the exact same way as we saw him on stage? Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't really, he was, he was always himself no matter what. I was the oldest. Uh, I was the oldest uh, grandchild, grandson, grand anything. And uh, I was only three years younger than John Carter was, which, you know, his son, my uncle. We grew up more brothers than anything, but I think because I was the older grandson, I think that he was maybe a little expected more of me. I think he was a little more, um, maybe a little more, I don't know. Uh, with me, I guess. We had a good time, don't get me wrong. But he, uh, right. But so he was, what? He was, he was a great guy. He was even he did wonderful things. And even even to this day, I think your grandfather is one of the best-selling musicians, even to this day. Kind of like uh, Elvis Presley is. Right. Now, um, so when, so basically, was it because of Johnny that you uh, developed a love for music and and went to go on into doing music? Yeah, you know, I just um, <clears throat> growing up in that in that world, I, I just never saw. I never really thought of anything else. I didn't know really about anything else. You know, I just assumed, if anything else, assumed <laughs> that uh, eventually um, I'd be doing the same thing. And uh, uh, so when I got to uh, you know, I went through high school and I guess college and everything. Um, and I got to leave college for a little while. But uh, we, uh, we sat and talked one day and I, he'd given me free range of his, of his studio and said, look, as long as we're not using it, you can go there, you can record whatever you want. See, I was writing a lot of songs. I had a little band of my own and uh, like 19, I think. And what he didn't expect me to do was I came out with, I got an EP together. I mean, I mastered an EP and, 
and I brought it to him and I was hoping he'd be, um, he'd be like it as much as I did, you know, or, or he think it was the next, you know, huge thing. And I think it scared him a bit. Um, when I was young, plus I was always the one that had, you know, I had chemical problems early, early on, you know, from like 11 years old on. And, uh, so he was scared that I think that, uh, if I was to get into it, especially at that age and looking back, if I would have, I, I would have never made it through. But he, uh, he wanted me to go do something else. So I went and became a, he wanted me to become a police officer. So I did, I did that first. He said, as long as you do that first and you can come back to music, but make sure you come back to it. Yeah. So looking, looking back when he gave you that advice, do you uh, think that was a uh, really good advice that he gave you or do you wish that you had done, still done music in, in between that time? You know, I think that, um, I think it was good advice. I, I don't know about the police thing, especially, <laughs> I mean, back then, maybe I, I got out in those two, but to do it now, I, that's, a, that's a job and a half, I think. Right, absolutely. But, you know, but the thing about police work is, is when, you're in, when you're an officer, that's your life. I mean, that's it's not a job, that's your life. You know, it's something that's 24 hours, it's ingrained in you, like, uh, like military or anything else, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it gets installed and the stop process really stops from people, from people like me, you know. So the music got just way, way far behind. And, uh, you know, if it hadn't, if I hadn't have gotten totally immersed in, in police work, I probably would have uh, continued to work on it like I should have. But it took me getting in trouble and in prison or anything else to get me to that point where I could. So uh, I think that, um, and you can answer this if you want, but I think this is common uh-huh. common knowledge that uh, Johnny was also known for his uh, drugs and alcohol use. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we talk, uh, between each other, once you realize that I had the same vision, we talked about it a lot, actually. Was he the one who, uh, but, <clears throat> so when, when you were on drugs and alcohol yourself, did he try to help you uh, get off? I mean, were you doing also the same kind of drugs that Johnny was doing when he did his drugs and alcohol? Yeah, we had we got we like the same kind of stuff. Um, thing is, uh, it wasn't like see, he was the way he was. He was he was never judgmental. He was never he was always very respectful to everybody. I mean, even as a child, I remember he was always respectful to everybody. He's, you know. Um, <laughs> You know they're, they're, who they are, you know, and what they do, and, and even if it's not something true, though, he tries to show you respect, and that's that's why he was so, um, you know, that's why we trust him as much as as a kid. You know, it's like uh, he, he always, he never want, he never, I never heard of him once put anybody down, not once. So when I came, when he knew that I had a problem, even at an early age, he came and got me. And brought me to the house, and I was—I think I was probably 12, 13. And we just talked about it. What Mike was going, you do that again, and you're this, 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 and this. You know, it's right, right. You're in trouble, or it's a matter of look. Here's what I've been through. Let me share that with you, and here's where it's going to lead. Um, but it's ultimately your decision because I can't make you anything. <clears throat> so, the um, through the years, you know, as I. I try to kind of ignore that and just kind of do my own thing. He, he recognized it. We would discuss it. 
but he never put me down for it. He never like never never loved me less. So, uh, so when um, like you say, when I see Johnny with people, it seems like he's always smiling. This happy go lucky kind of guy who is just happy. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> and then um, so he also cited when he was doing his uh, his drug and alcohol abuse um he cited june carter as his rock um how is it that uh june was able to to put up with johnny uh doing his drugs and alcohol was was the marriage kind of di- get kind of difficult in between all of that well you know uh and i wouldn't even say this if, if john carter hadn't released it not too long ago but you know my my step my my grandmother was was vivian you know his first one Right. And my, you know, when, when I was born in 73, my, uh, they'd already been divorced and remarried, both of them. So I called both of them grandma. You know, I didn't know any difference. So, but I'll, back to the June part. You know, she was, she had her own drug problem as well. Right. Um, Absolutely. It was, it was not near as pronounced. It was not near as, as public. It was not near as. When you looked at my grandpa, and you're like, "Yeah, dude's on drugs." You looked at her, and you didn't see that. You know, she was just uh, bubbly and funny, and you know, she always had a you know, kind, and just always had this uh, aura about her that just, you know, people didn't expect, you know, drugs to be involved with that. But the thing is, I mean, notice the, they stayed together constantly. But there was a time when they started touring together that they never they they never stopped. Like she went with him for the rest of his life, because I think what it was is like kind of uh, she would watch up there him, and that became kind of her maybe her other addiction, you know? Right. Where she had to keep it, she had to keep it under a certain amount in order to watch him, because otherwise he had no one, you know. So, so does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so. How was it that Johnny was able to overcome his uh, his addictions? And uh, before that, before you answer that, what is it that kind of got him started doing the uh, alcohol and drugs? Was it um, because of uh, his what happened to his brother early on in life? Um, was that kind of one of the contributing factors? Well, I I tend to think so, but I don't think that I think that when he was when he was away from well, first of all. Let's back up a second. Okay. First of all, it's hereditary. It's hereditary. And my great grandpa, my grandpa Ray, was indeed an alcoholic. I mean, he was absolutely an alcoholic. Would tell you that, even though he knew nothing about the alcoholism. Uh, I remember him telling me one time. He said, "Us ashes, we cannot have chemicals in our body. We cannot handle it." And I remember thinking that was just very profound for him to say. Yeah. But Back to when he started, what got him going? I think Air Force, him being away from his small town that he grew up in, being in Germany, where you know you go and I mean beer is just huge. Um, I think he probably started to like it a bit there, and I, I know he got in a lot of bar fights, um, things like that. But when you get on the road, and especially when you're not used to it, you know he went from being a in the military to being a, a really terrible uh, salesman and never sold hardly anything uh, to being 
on the road up and down, up and down. You know, you wake up, you're you're going against time. Uh, you know, you're in different time zones. You're in you're you're moving when people aren't. You know, all these types, all this type of things that people don't realize. And then that was the beginning of it. Was they were they were at that time they were very uh, ignorant to what these what these chemicals that were coming out were. And in the fifties, you know, especially after World War II, amphetamines showed up, and it it was like a blessing, right? To be able to take amphetamines and go all day long, and then all the next day, and then all the next day. I mean, yeah, I mean that's, that's it was an obvious, I think. And then you got to come down sometime. Well, you're going to use alcohol as a depressant, or you're going to use some sort of, you know, Valium or whatever. I mean, it just becomes a um, like a cycle, and I think back then nobody really knowing where it went. It was it was just a given that it was going to happen. It was just a, the perfect storm. You know? Did uh, did your, oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you. Um, in between all this, uh, did your grandfather still continue working like with film and music and TV and all the appearances that he did uh, in the midst of his. Uh, abuses that he had yeah well that's the other thing i was going to say was you know he uh he definitely fought it and i mean when i say he fought it he fought it all the time uh he had a lot of uh he had surgeries he had a lot of accidents uh he had you know he had an ostrich with his stomach out once i mean he had all these things that required to have uh you know painkillers or, or whatever and so he fought it. He really did. He started out and was like, look, when he got recovery and he started to uh, clean up, um, it was that that's what was first and foremost. But yet there was times when he couldn't. He had to he had to do uh, chemicals. So when you're having to do it, knowing that you can't or shouldn't or don't want to, but you're having to do it anywhere, it's a terrible feeling. I've done it myself. Right. Over and over and over, you know. Um, but when you've done it long enough, you become functional no matter what, you know. Actually, you think in the back of your head that I'm even more functional now, but you're, but obviously, what people see and what you think you are <clears throat> are two totally different things. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he, I've seen him do, uh, um, movies and I've seen him do albums, I've seen him do even his last, his last album, sit there and watched him do when he was in absolute um, just mentally and emotionally and physically absolutely to his end, just just drained fatigue, just um, basically staying alive just to finish that album. Was, uh, was your grandfather ever surprised that he um, in between the abuse, lived as long as that he did. I mean, was he surprised that he got to live as long as he did? I don't know. I don't know about that. He, um, you can tell if you look at um, pictures and, and interviews, you can tell when he gave up. Right. And because I've never seen the man show any sort of weakness. So what I'm talking about growing up. I just never, I mean, honestly, as a kid, I just never, I just always expected him to be there. And as a matter of fact, uh, and I'll tell you this, and I'll tell a lot of people about this, but um, 
you know, I, I had just, I was actually in jail when my grandma Jean died. They got a furlough. I got a furlough and two guards came with me and they put a tux on me and we went, and I was a pallbearer, which is a terrible feeling. Right. But I'm glad they let me go. But seeing them that day, that was, it was shocking. There was the lack of luster in his eye, the, um, the frailty, all that, uh, just the absolute torment. It was, it was just obvious. I'd never seen him like that. And that worried me. So I had to go back to jail, to jail for a while. And he let me sit there for about three days. I mean, I'm sorry, three weeks before he actually sent somebody to come get me. Got me out and he had me come to the house. And he said, uh, I want you here at the house from now on. I want you around. I want you to help me be close to me. And I said, okay, yeah, absolutely. And, but it was obvious. It wasn't like, this wasn't any sort of punishment. This wasn't any sort of, uh, I'm going to watch you because you've got problems. It's a matter of, I'm going to watch you. You're going to watch me. We're going to take care of each other for a while. Right. And I got it, you know? And, uh, so while, uh, I was working there for him, we, uh, he had to go to the hospital. They had, he had, pneumonia come on and had a nurse that I don't think was prepared to take care of how far he had gotten. And uh, we were on the back porch and he was in his wheelchair and they were going to wheel him up. And he said, uh, take care of the house. I said, actually, he said, he said I'm, I gotta, I, I'm leaving for a little while so I don't feel good. Take care of the house till I get back. And I said, all right, why don't so they picked him up to take him up and actually the taking him from wheelchair to gurney, you know. And I said, Yeah. I said, I'll be here until you get back. And he said, Thank you when I get back and answer if I call. I said, okay. But you know what? Even even though that looked terrible, it felt terrible. I never expected him not to come back. And um so he and I was be honest with you, I was I was a little sick because I was out of what I was on, and uh, right. was trying as well. And he called me, uh, I don't know, like seven p.m. I think it was the next night. So I need you to come down here. I want to tell you something. He's t- I need to tell you something. I said okay. I said I'll be there in an hour. That's what it took from where we lived, and uh, I didn't feel good. And I was basically what they call dope sick. I laid back down, thinking that I'd lay down for a little while and I'll feel a little better here in a minute. I went to sleep and never went. And about about four or five o'clock in the morning, my mother called me and said he had passed. Mm. <clears throat> so I I uh, I had to deal with that for a while too. You know, I I had I beat myself up for a long time, but now I don't do that. I think that he absolutely knew why I didn't show up that night. Absolutely. Um, so, do you? Um, what, what what advice would you give to someone who's currently maybe doing um, the drugs or alcohol right now? I mean, what what is it that you would tell them uh, for anybody that's listening? It's the opposite of what we're born for. It really is. Um, you know, these days, uh, you know, just, just putting it out there the way I believe. 
my my own beliefs. Just that the devil will get to you any way he can. Absolutely. And now and nowadays it's so easy. I mean, it's so easy. You got TV, you got, you got drugs, you got uh, all these things. Internet, you got all these things. But drugs is something that uh, it replaces a part of you that you think for a little while that you don't contain, whether it be uh, takes away your inhibition, uh, takes away your sadness for you know a few hours, whatever. Uh, you know, it's 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 the most dangerous one there is. And, and I tell you what, it, there's there's very very rarely a good end to that. You know, I mean, I uh, I started drinking and all when I was around nine years old. I was sneaking drinks and stuff. By the time I was in sixth grade, I was taking vodka to school because mm. I didn't feel good if I did. By the time I was thirteen, I was a daily user of anything and everything I could get my hands on. And uh, that's when I first went to rehab. Was almost, I was 13 years old. And since then, I've been to 20 people. And it's, it's every, it just progresses and progresses and progresses and gets to the point where it just takes over. <clears throat> now, not, now to say, I'm going to say this too. I'm not being, trying to be hypocritical because there's times when I uh, allow myself to have Major Meister, just because it's the only thing I allow myself to have anymore. I got, you know, half of half, half of my stomach is mesh. I've got uh, liver disease. I've got uh, enlarged heart. I've got I've had two heart uh, heart attacks and a stroke. Uh, plus, I did a lot of steroids growing up and stuff like that. So I've done some damage. So I don't allow myself to go all the way out. But at the same time, I realized that so that's my degree. This very, very, if I go without anything whatsoever, sometimes my anxiety takes over and makes me want to do other things. Right. So I have gotten to the point where after 30 something years out of, no, actually 40, almost 40 years out of 46 years, I have to turn my chemicals. So I, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say I'm a total angel or anything else. I'm not even going to pretend to be. And I mess up quite a bit, to be honest with you. But one thing I don't do anymore, I don't touch, I don't touch drugs. I don't allow myself to touch liquor. And I do not go to excess. Well, and, uh, congratulations, sir. I, I really do applaud you for that. Congratulations. Well, I mean, I don't feel like I need to be congratulated for that one. If I... If I was some of these guys that walked away and were, you know, I was a counselor for a few years too, you know, and, uh, you know, it's something that I'm probably more educated in than anybody I know except for the fact that I am still totally not, not doing what uh, the quote unquote big book knows. I don't, I don't do AA and things like that because I, uh, I'm just not that kind of person. I, my brain doesn't work that way. I, I see it as a, uh, it makes me almost want to go you if I'm part of, you know. I'm a very, it's all, it's all a musician thing. It's really put a twist on uh, my whole view, my whole uh, perspective in my life. It really has. Absolutely. It's the service, you know, this is the service. And people want to hear music, and they want to, they also want to hear, I guess, 
apparently his voice is sounds similar to my grandfather's did. <laughs> apparently they want to hear that because that makes them help remember him. You know, I had a lot of people come to my shows and say, hey, I never got to see him, but now I don't feel so bad I got to see you. And that makes me feel great. I don't want to be him. I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be, you know, Johnny Cash Part 2, but he ain't me. You know, I'm, I've got my own songs. I've got the only reason I do his songs on people I for it, and I know they want to hear it. But uh thing is, you know, nowadays, the whole addiction thing, you know, it's in perspective. I got rid of guilt. That was the one thing to me in that motion to where I just never want to stop doing guilt. guilt. I had guilt for the way my, even my sons when I went to prison. I had guilt over the way I treated my mother when I was little. I had guilt over this, 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 and this. Once I realized that, hey, if you get rid of that guilt, you don't have to mask yourself every day. Right. You don't have to forget something every day to the point where you just get inebriated. So now, I don't have any reason to drink. You see what I mean? Absolutely. There's not a, there's not a, there's not a, it's not a must do thing. Whereas I used to, I'd wake up with it. I'd wake up up every two hours and drink vodka. I go through a happy hour a day, and then you want another happy hour before I bed. I don't see, I don't have a reason for that. But without guilt, and without, and if you take care of your inner, your inner issues, you know, child uh, abuse, child molestation, or whatever deep, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say that, you know, I've got this from childhood. You know what? Quit carrying it around. Stop carrying that around. Quit hurting yourself with it. And if you do, you don't have to stay in injury. Just forget. On a uh, much lighter note, I'm um, going on to something much, much lighter. Um, you're, yeah, there you go. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I could cheer everybody up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. That's actually, you know what? That's actually what my show is about. It's about um, <clears throat> motivating people and inspiring people, and um, <clears throat> just about showing people that yes, things are possible. Oh, yeah. Why, why the world do you have me? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, no, um, but uh, going on to a much lighter note, um, <clears throat> who were uh, some of your uh, grandfather's um, closest friends? Uh, like, for example, I know that uh, he's. Your grandfather spiritually influenced John Schneider to become a, a Christian man. Uh, it, yeah. 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 Yeah, John's a great guy. Matter of fact, that is, uh, last time I saw him was about six months ago. And it's the first time I've ever admitted to him that I stole his mother's vehicle when he was staying at her place. Mm. And yeah, no idea. Since 1986, he had no idea. So I, 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 I had to come out with that because I felt bad. But no, his friends were uh, people he hung out with the most. Andrew Vaccaro, um, uh, Waylon Jennings. Um, uh, it was Chris Thompson, and he was he had a lot of friends. That when we had Christmas, it was more. We had a, a huge family, but we had more to it there than we did at all. You know? uh, Charlie Bride. They were all they were all great. I think also uh, Chet, Chet Atkins. Uh, I'm not sure if you said Chet Atkins or not, but I yeah. I, I think that yeah, he was Chet one Atkins. guy that was also with your grandfather that toured around. I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget probably 200 of them, but yeah, Chet Atkins. Remember, <laughs> uh, remember there was a bunch of actually I mean Bo Hopkins. Remember him? Yes. Uh, but uh, I 
never seen these people. I didn't, I didn't know they were, I didn't know they were entertainers. I didn't know they were famous. I just knew they were nice. You know? Right. They were nice to me as a kid. And, uh, that was a, which, that's why I like them. I'm to y'all. Absolutely. I never knew in my life. Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, um, <clears throat> since I got you, uh, your your I mean, my favorite song of your grandfather's has got to be Daddy Sang Bass. I absolutely love that song. He did a great rendition of it, and uh, or yeah, and uh, just the bass part. He he really was able to to get his voice pretty low. Yeah, he was. He had a yeah. His range was about about like mine. The only thing about him is he can get higher than I. Uh, mine, mine, mine is actually a little bit more than it, but I didn't have the control, but he had this, he had this wonderful control. I mean, he was able to put his voice wherever he felt like it needed to, you know, and, uh, it, it amazes me now, but in fact, uh, he, uh, he was phenomenal. He, he absolutely touched you when he talked. You know? Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. Now, hold on a second. Now, what's your favorite song of mine? Um, it's a harder one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Un- unfortunately, <laughs> I have, yeah. Unfortunately, I have to say, yeah. Um, so later on, or maybe even during his career, he was also uh, really good friends with Billy Graham as well, and he would go on his uh, crusade. Uh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to go on to the uh, 1984. Uh, he was at the uh, stadium, the ball stadium. And I remember going to that and thinking, you know, I was on the road with him a lot. And thinking, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people here. You know, it really didn't register what it was. And uh, in 84, so that was you know, like 11 years old. But when I was set up that, that bus, I saw the mass of people. I mean, we're, I've never seen a crowd like that. I've never seen a crowd like that. We've been to... Every, I thought every stadium there was, and I had them all in. But when I stepped off that bus and there was that many people, I knew that this right here was different. Totally different. Absolutely. Uh, I was just glad to be able to say I was there. Yeah, the Grams were wonderful. And that, well, even with the Franklin Graham, but, um, but they were always so kind, and always really down to earth. Well, once again, you saw Billy on stage, you saw him off stage. Absolutely. And then also, uh, whenever Johnny was there, there was June Carter right next to him performing at the Crusade. Absolutely. So um, I I do have one final question for you, uh, Thomas, and then then I'll let you go. Um, uh, I had asked you about advice for someone who was on drugs and alcohol, and now I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give to... um, aspiring performers uh, who want to do like what your grandfather did or what you do? Well, uh, be prepared for some, uh, some disappointment. Be prepared to put yourself out there at times you don't feel like it. And stay away from Nashville. Stay away from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, I'm in a road. I tell you, I, I've gotten to where I don't play Nashville anymore. No offense to the people who live there, but I'm saying is the, the industry there. You know, they, right. they, they didn't like they didn't like my grandpa. They didn't like him. He didn't like that. So far, they haven't really 
You know, the, the thing about Nashville is, especially compared to out west or overseas or anything else, Nashville has so many uh, artists, great artists, don't get me wrong. There's some fantastic talent there. But they take it for granted because they have so many people. If you won't do it for this price, this guy will. And when you play Nashville, you're up there singing your heart out, and nobody's paying attention most of the time. Most of the time, people are talking or drinking, you know, they're laughing, or, and nobody's even paying attention as long as you're making noise. I come out here to the West, when I get from, when I get a state or two over from Tennessee towards the West Coast, every audience I've had so far, they're respectful, they want to hear it, and they're not over, over, uh, ridden with just every country act that comes to the way. And I'm not even saying that I'm country. My grandpa wasn't country. I'm not country. All I'm saying is the fact that music, period, you know, they, they want the entertainment. They want to uh, have a break from what's going on in their lives. So they want to uh, just enjoy the music. Whereas national, they don't care. As long as you make it noise. Right. And and that's going to make people really mad at people saying that. But it's the truth. I take it for granted. You know, I've I yet to play somewhere downtown, but and I had the, the whole audience with me. Thomas, I uh, just have to absolutely thank you so much for coming on my show. You've been more than generous with your time, and you're a very transparent kind of guy with the stories that you've shared with us about your grandfather, about you. And um, I, uh, yeah, I got no skill. Oh, <laughs> well, we all we all do, we all do. But um, no, I don't anymore. I used to. Oh, oh you used to. Once. Yeah, I said I'm, I, everything's out there now. You know. I, right. My mother, my mother came to one of my shows one time, and literally in the middle of it, she, she yelled out loud, "You don't have to say everything, so That that sounds like something that that a mom that a mom would do, definitely. That definitely does. Yeah, right. yeah absolutely. Right. But um, so uh, but I hope that you do come back sometime and give us an update about how things are going on the road, about the family and and your music, and uh, and tell, tell me anytime, or and we'll. Uh, We'll do everything you want to. Well, sound, sounds good I love, to me. I love talking to you. I, oh, thank you so much. And, and, I love, and I love what you're doing. I love you. I love your, uh, I love your show. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you so uh, much. I love you. And I will be back soon. Well, we are waiting for you. We are waiting for you to come back. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Gabriel. I appreciate it. God, God bless you. And uh, much continued success, thank sir. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Bye-bye.